I guess, uh, how do I explain this? What I'm trying to get at is how easy it is to implement this and how SAS is like the way to make it work. <laughs> I don't know how to phrase that in a nice soundbite. <laughs> Episode number 20, December 2014. In this episode, Max Luster talks about REMS and how you can use them with responsive typography. He talks about modular scale and why it's useful, and how modular scale creates relationships within your type. What are REMS and why are they so important for building responsive sites uh, slash typography? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question. So I think uh, to talk about REMS, you have to back up and talk about what an, just an M is, um, E-M, M, if you're new to that concept. Um, so basically, um, yeah, so basically REMS are a unit of size for typographic elements, but they come from this concept of an M, which uh, has been around for far longer than screens were around as well. Um, and it traditionally was the size of the width of the capital letter M in whatever font you were using. And that's not necessarily true today. Like the, the value of 1M is not necessarily the width of the capital letter M across. Um, but it's roughly like the measure that you start from when you're designing a font. So it's still somewhat true. Um, but I think more importantly, like an M, if you're going to come up with a picture of it in your head, is the space in which letters are designed by a typographer, by a type designer, rather. Um, so when you're actually drawing letter forms, you need a virtual canvas, essentially, to relate the different sizes of your letters together. And the M is the space, which includes the size of the font, the, that character itself, but also the white space around that character. Um, and so that's, that's basically what an M is. It's this relative unit of measure. So it's relative to that um, space in which the letters were designed. Um, and so um, before the REM unit was even available, REM unit was available in CSS, the M unit was available. And it, the compatibility for the M unit is much greater than the REM. Um, I think REMs were IE9 plus, um, and Ms have been around for... Uh, I actually don't know how long, but uh, I've never not used them for the sake of compatibility. Um, anyway, so they're very similar, um, but there's some nuances that differentiate them. Um, M's can be a little bit finicky because they take their size value based on the parent element at that time. So if you set a paragraph text block to 1M, and you had a div around it, and that div had font size 20 pixels, that 1M paragraph is going to be 20 pixels on your screen. So when you nest something, it can lead to unexpected results, I guess. Yeah, it can, because you know websites are complex, you have lots of different sizes going all over the place, and a lot of times when you're using you know CSS, you're going to try to take advantage of cascading of styles, so you're going to apply font size to a parent element and expect that the styles are going to be applied to children elements. Um, and M's, using M's can sort of break your expectation for how that's going to work. Um, whereas REMs, unlike M's, are always based on the font size of the root element. And that's where they get uh, their name. It's root EM. 
Um, and the root element is just another word for the HTML element that's literally on every single website ever. Uh, it must be there. If you didn't put it there, your browser will put it there. Generally speaking, when you're talking about rems, you're talking about the font size of the HTML element and not the body. Um, and it's the same basic concept, right? It's just a way of saying, for this document, the value of one rem is this many pixels. So the default in your browser um, is to have the HTML element have a font size of 16 pixels, and that's the case at all modern browsers. There are some strange exceptions to that rule, and that was not always the case, but 16 pixels is generally the default um, when you're working on like regular web browsers, <laughs> standard web browsers. So I guess I didn't answer the second part of that question, which is, why are they important? Yes. Um, so this idea of fluid typography that we were talking about before, um, if you're starting from this unit of pixels, which pretty much all web designers did for I don't, a long time. Um, there's no real way without hand tuning every single element at every single time you wanna change the scale of your design to, I guess in better terms, there's no easy way using pixels to scale up and down your design. But with REMS, if you've sized all of the content in your website with REMS, including the font sizes, the line heights, um, the, uh, the, the padding, the margin. Um, if you define all of those properties using REMS, you have this opportunity to change a single property, which is the font size of the HTML element, and change the scale factor of your entire website. Um, so that is really useful, um, and as soon as you start seeing it working, like changing, you can go uh, into your uh, developer tools in Chrome, and go and change the font size on the HTML element. And you can start seeing the possibilities of what that'll do for you. Like, I can look at my design and suddenly, eh, everything feels a little too big right now. Bump the font size down and suddenly, everything feels basically the same, but the scale has changed. And uh, that becomes really powerful really fast. Um, it also is a way to don't repeat yourself, right? Oh yeah, I, I mean, if you were working in pixels every time you wanted to change the design scale without changing the proportions between the different elements in your page, you would have to redefine the size of each and every single element in your design. Um, and it would literally be impossible in any sort of complicated website. I mean, it would just take forever. You just wouldn't do it. And so no one really tried. I never saw anyone try it. <laughs> and when you work in responsive typography, you're probably going to use a couple of media queries at least. And um, you save yourself a couple of steps, right, if you're using REMS. Exactly, and you know, that changes it from something that it, you, know, you can picture if you have thousands of lines of code, um, it just becoming completely unmanageable to, to have to write media queries synchronized for all of these different values throughout your site, um, when you can just change a single value and have it all go through the design. Uh, what is modular scale and why is it so useful for creating relationships in your designs? I've been talking a pretty good amount about this idea of proportion between different elements on the page. Um, and that might be a, a new concept to some people. Um, I mean, obviously, when you're uh, designing a page, you have headers, and those headers are bigger than the subheaders, and then the subheaders are bigger than your paragraph text. That's a pretty easy example. Uh, but uh, 
to, in a lot of design, um, I think a lot of designers that are especially ones that are starting in apps like Photoshop and Illustrator, um, they're just sort of eyeballing it. They're going into their designs. They're like, what looks about right to me? And that's actually a really nice thing to do, like to get the sense of how, what the hierarchy of your page is, um, what the relationship is between different elements on your page and all that sort of thing. Um, so it's really great. But then when you take it into the browser, you have the potential to define those relationships and set up real mathematical relationships between the content on your site. And it's not just something that is, I don't know, a geeky fun thing because it's math, but it's actually uh, a design practice that goes way, way back um, to like ancient architecture, um, Greek and Roman architecture, um, modular scales were being used in their designs um, and artwork as well. So it's something that creates this inherently pleasing relationship. Um, I guess that's not a really great way of putting it. It's like by using mathematically defined proportions, uh, there's this potential to create these uh, strangely pleasing relationships between the content on your site that uh, it's kind of hard to explain. It's just like almost this human reaction to liking the orderness of your design um, for there to be like a nice rhythm to the sizes and how they change. Um, so whether or not you, you buy all that, um, they're useful. And especially when you're working with REMs, it's easy to lose track of like what's one REM and you know, how many pixels should I set this is a much harder question to answer when you could just work in REMs and say, this is one REM and this is one up on my modular scale. It's bigger than the one previous to it. Um, so I don't think that explains what they are <laughs> well enough. So I could go into that a bit more. Is that right? Cool. Um, okay, cool. So the easiest way to picture modular scale is to picture uh, the Fibonacci sequence. So uh, if you're not familiar with that, um, it's take one number and then take the next number in the sequence. So one, one, add them together and you get the next one. Take the two previous, add them together and you get the next one. Um, and that's a special modular scale, um, which is the golden ratio modular scale. And that is a very, very useful scale to use for typography um, and design in general. Um, but they can be created, modular scales can be created with other ratios. So it's really just defining the ratio between one step and the next step in your scale. So say, for example, we were using a ratio of uh, two, one to two. Then the first value in the scale is one, the next value is two, the next value is four, and so on. Um, and it, it's kind of the thing that until you start working with it and using it, it's hard to picture exactly how it's going to work for you. But um, really when combined, I guess, how do I explain this? What I'm trying to get at is how easy it is to implement this and how SAS is like the way to make it work. <laughs> I don't know how to phrase that in a nice sound bite. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. Help me out here. Um, the relationships, I think the key part um, to understand the advantages of modular scale is how it creates relationships in your designs. And the question I'm interested in is why is it cre helping creating those relationships? Oh, so what, is, what does it do to help create those relationships? Well, it almost comes back to this like inherent human perspective that we have whenever we're looking at design, right? 
It's like, for some reason, our eye is able to pick up on mathematically defined relationships between content sizes. So if I'm looking at a paragraph text and then the subheader is 1.25 times the size of that text, and then the header above that is 1.25 times the size of the subheader, for some reason, and it's hard to pin down exactly why, our eyes see that and they find it nice. And so that's something that designers have picked up on hundreds of years ago, um, thousands of years ago. And it's just sort of inherent to how humans perceive design. Uh, so using modular scales is essentially a way of creating a variety of different scale factors for how content relates to itself. So what's the, what's the size relationship between my paragraph and my subheads, my paragraph and my headers, and linking it all together so that it feels like it's part of a system, um, I guess is the goal of modular scale in a lot of my recent typography work is actually you start out with some basic assumption like you know I'm gonna set a ratio of 1.25 or I'm gonna set start with the golden ratio um, and then you can lay out all of your content get a good feel for what it's like but then you can go and rapidly iterate on that um, relationship between your content and see what ones work and which ones don't and just trial and error it which is something that you literally could not do until I don't think you could do it until SAS came out really or CSS preprocessors came out. So, you know, that's a very interesting thing to me, to be able to iterate on a modular scale. I think the most important part is to create a kind of consistency. And Jason Santamaria, for example, say, says that he likes modular scales and he uses them kind of to start. Yeah, sure. It's a great starting place to then make exceptions and break rules and whatnot. I think that applies a lot more in web design, like when you're doing like communications design, you're trying to be more expressive and stylistic. Mm -hmm. um, but when you're designing applications, like uh, you know, hard-hitting functional applications, I stick very rigorously to my modular scale. I don't break it um, because those relationships are so important to the meaning of the content itself. So it's just a difference in focus. So sometimes they're they're there to be guidelines that you break and other times they're there to be followed. Uh, I think another interesting point that may explain what they are a little bit more clearly is that everyone uses modular scales and we've all been using them, we just didn't know it. Um, so it built into every word browser, Photoshop, Google Docs, uh, as I said word browser, <laughs> every word uh, text editor um, is this typographic scale that we've all seen. It goes from six pixels up to 72 pixels and it has these like consistent steps and they're always the same. And that's, that's a modular scale. Um, and that's a typographic scale that we've been using um, hundreds of years, right? for hundreds of years now. Yeah, and it's just the defaults for everything. <laughs> it goes back to setting metal type. Those are the sizes of text that the type studios would, would buy. Mm -hmm.